Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to worship uh, here at Belhelvy this morning. It's good to have you with us, and we hope that you're blessed by being together in this time. If you know the drill, then you should have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea in your hand. Uh, you'll see that one of the benefits of having Ross back home is not only the technical support, but he does have some quite cool mugs as well. So grab your tea and coffee and join us for worship as we sing together uh, our first hymn, which is Do Not Be Afraid, For I Have Redeemed You. Let's take a minute to pray together now. Let's pray. Lord, we take these moments that we have together and we hallow them. We make them special. We make them special by calling our attention to heal, shushing the constantly interrupting voices of 
texts, messages and updates. Joining with one another in a shared act of reflection and worship. Taking life seriously enough to think about how we're living and not taking it so seriously that we forget how to laugh and love and be human. Lord, you call us to turn to you. And you promise that if we look to you, we will find life in all its fullness. And today, in this time, we are turning and we are looking. Looking for sustenance and hope in these difficult days. Looking for rootedness at a time when everything seems to be changing. Looking for inner freedom, even as we're obliged to stay at home. Lord, your spirit goes where it will. In you we live and move and have our being. And we ask that as we gather this morning, we would know in a real way that our faith is no fiction. And that you meant it when you said, when two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Eternal Father, you know us through and through. We don't need to try and explain anything to you or put on a face because you already know us better than we know ourselves. With you there is no pretense. And so we come with the blessed freedom of people who don't need to hide. And we come to hear again your double-edged word which tells us that you love us as we are but that you love us too much to let us stay that way. We thank you that made in your image we have the potential to bless those around us with the unique gifts we bring. And we thank you for the ways that we've been able to do that this past week through creativity, humour, kindness and hard work. And we confess to the ways in which we've fallen short Ways which may even be exaggerated in this current climate. We confess the ways that impatience, irritability and selfishness have surfaced under the pressure of different patterns of working, shopping and socialising and the restrictions of confined living. And we confess to the unhelpful ways that we try to take the edge off the stress, ways which we know in the cold light of day aren't good for body or soul. And we take a moment now in the silence to make our own confession to you. Lord, your word tells us that your anger lasts only a moment but your mercy endures forever. So have mercy on us and lead us on in this journey that we're making, taking each new step in faith towards our full humanity and placing our trust in Christ, who is our hope, both in this life and the next. And in his name we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Two readings for you this morning, and the first is from the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, Proverbs 4, and reading from verse 18. And I'm reading from a modern translation of the Bible uh, called The Message by Eugene Peterson. Proverbs 4, verse 18. The ways of right-living people glow with light. The longer they live, the brighter they shine. But the road of wrongdoing gets darker and darker. Travellers can't see a thing. They fall flat on their faces. Dear friends, listen well to my words. Tune your ears to my voice. Keep my message in plain view at all times. Concentrate, learn it by heart. Those who discover these words live, really live, body and soul. They're bursting with health. Keep vigilant over your heart. That's where life starts. Don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Avoid careless banter, white lies and gossip. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Ignore all sideshow distractions. Watch your step and the road will stretch out smooth before you. Look neither right nor left. Leave evil in the dust. Our second reading is taken from Paul's letter to the Romans, reading in chapter 8. Paul says, if God is on our side, who is against us? If he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how can he fail to lavish every other gift upon us? What can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or hardship? Can persecution, hunger nakedness, danger or sword. I am convinced that there is nothing in death or life, in the realm of spirits or higher powers, in the world as it is or the world as it shall be, in the forces of the universe, in heights or depths, nothing in all creation that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. It's been almost 15 years since Rona and I moved up to the northeast, and um, one of the things that's been a constant in my life since we moved up is a particular podcast that I listen to uh, on a Friday afternoon, and it's called Mayo and Kermode's Film Review, and that's just been a regular with me over all these years. Um, I usually take a Friday as my day off, my Sabbath, and as I do gardening or I go running or uh, do work about the house, I've got my headphones on and I'm usually listening to the podcast. Um, it's about the film reviews, but it's at least as much about the banter that goes on between these two guys, Simon Mayo and Mark Kermode. Uh, so much so that the programme has just become nicknamed Wittertainment because there's so much wittering goes on between the film reviews. And there's lots of in-jokes that have accumulated over all the years that the show's been on. Uh, lots of clergy listen in, so much so that um, they uh, there were so many 
so many pieces of input from clergy over the years that Mark and Simon started referring to clergy corner as being a, a part of the established routine of Wittertainment's uh, podcast. But over the years, many people wrote in saying, well, what about, you know, what about us? So there's now an apothecary's atrium, a humanist's hollow, a diplomat's dungeon and a teenage slump, jo- slump zone within the church of Wittertainment. But a few years ago, um, everything seemed to be getting quite bleak politically. It was a time of real turmoil. Nobody quite knew where everything was going and was quite worried about it. And around that time, Mark started quoting from a film. And the line that he quoted was this, everything will be all right in the end. And if it's not all right, then it's not the end. And it kind of became a a running joke for a few months that people would write into the show just asking Mark to tell us that everything was going to be okay. And that triggered some bells with me because it reminded me of someone in church history who was saying something not entirely dissimilar. And so I wrote into the show and this is what happened next. Reverend, the Reverend Dr Paul McEwen has a few words for us first. Hello. Over the past few months, I've listened with interest as Mark has repeatedly promised in his most sincere tones that everything's going to be all right. Joining such luminaries as Bob Marley, Sweetbox, E17 and that anonymous Wittitainee at the MOD in making such a bold claim. I feel duty-bound, says the Rev Doc, from my pew in Clergy Corner to add another name to that list. That of, and you probably, we haven't discussed this person on the show before, Mark. Okay. 14th century mystic Julian of Norwich. We don't know much about her background, says the Rev, not even her proper name, as she's called after the church St Julian's in Norwich, where she lived a monastic life. But we do know that in 1373, Julian had a series of religious visions during a severe illness, and she later wrote about them in a work called Revelations of Divine Love. Have you read that? No, not this... No, no, Okay, Which I have to confess does sound rather like the title of a long-lost Ken Russell film. (laughs) Anyway... (laughs) She's quite right. <laughs> Revelations is thought to be the first book in the English language written by a woman. And despite the famine, war, pestilence and saying nit to old women, which abounded in her era, Julian's visions led her to the happy conviction that in the end, all will be well. All will be well and all manner of things will be well. Did she have a shrubbery? A nice one with a split a little path. <laughs> all of which suffices to say you're in good company, Mystic Mark. So that's good. So basically, Julian of Norwich, so that... All will be well and all manner of things will be well. Yes. That's kind of where J.K. Rowling finished the Harry Potter book. She sort of did her version of all things. What's being... the last line in the Harry Potter book? It's something like that. Is it like that? Yes. It's I not quite that. No, it's not quite that. I thought you memorised all of them. So you're channelling Julian of Norwich, the first book ever written by a woman. That's that uh, I, that's thing. magnificent. Thank you for that fantastic piece of trivia. And uh, I'm that's great. I'll go. I will go. I will nip down to Smith's. Revelations of Divine Love is what you're... Have you got a copy of Revelations, Revelations of, of Divine, Divine Love, Love by Ken Russell? Sorry, we're closed. All will be well, and all will be well, and all manner of things will be well. Now, it would be easy to write Julian of Norwich off, but she was living through times that were even more difficult than these are, when plague and war and famine were absolutely rife in the known world. So what convinced her that all would be well in those circumstances. How could she say that with such conviction? 
or was she just deluded? Well, I'm going to try and answer that with reference to a personal story. And I'll come back to Julian of Norwich and our Bible readings after that. But I want to, to tell you a story. And I know that my regular congregation have heard this uh, before, maybe even a couple of times. But I'm sharing this for the sake of the folk here listening in, uh, new to this podcast, new to this, this story. Way back in... 2003 I was involved in uh, a car crash now I advisedly used the term car crash because I didn't crash well I did but it was a little crash but I was doing 70 uh, in the fast lane of the M74 coming north towards Glasgow it's a big big busy motorway three lanes of traffic doing 70 in the fast lane when a wheel bearing went in my car and it just it, it just effectively locked and that took me across the central lane and across the other lane, which is very fortunate um, that the juggernauts that were driving that day managed to break get out of my way. But went across both of those lanes, spun around the rear of the car, hit the crash barrier, uh, but I was able to get out uh, unharmed. Uh, I was very fortunate. And I had never, up until that point, really understood the term shock. People talk about being in shock. And I knew what shock was from that point on because for the next week or so I just felt like I was wading through treacle I was doing everything at about a quarter of my normal speed I couldn't piece together a coherent thought or hardly say a word to anybody I was just so shaken up by it and around that time in fact prior to that happening I had booked a day's retreat up in a retreat centre in Perthshire called The Beeld which is a, a lovely place um, a spiritual retreat centre and in the grounds of the Beeld they have what's called a labyrinth mown into a field and I need to explain a wee bit about labyrinths because uh, some of you may not know what a labyrinth is. A labyrinth is not the same thing as a maze. A maze, there's lots of different ways that you can go through a maze but a labyrinth is a pattern uh, or a, a kind of maze, I suppose, where there's there's one way in and one way out. You go into the labyrinth, you keep following the path, keep taking one step at a time, not getting distracted, you will get to the centre. You just keep following the path, but it takes you on a very circuitous route to get there. Way back in the Middle Ages, um, Christians were encouraged to do a pilgrimage to the Holy Land at least one point in their lives, which was fine if you were very wealthy, but for most of us, we couldn't afford that. And so churches, cathedrals started to build labyrinths into their grounds, sometimes even inside the church itself. And the idea is that once a year, you would make a prayerful pilgrimage through the labyrinth. You would walk slowly, one step at a time, prayerfully, giving up the things that you needed to give up and let go of. And once you got to the centre, you would pause, you would turn around and as you left the labyrinth by the same path you would vow and pray to take up the things that you needed to take up. And so that day after my, my car crash I went to the build and I walked the labyrinth for a first time and it remains to this day I think one of the most profound spiritual experiences I've ever had. There were times in that walk where you feel that you're going right out to the edge 
that you're about as far away from the centre where you want to be uh, as you could be. You feel that you're going in completely the wrong direction. But if you trust the path, if you trust to the next step and keep going, you will get there. And I, I came out of that experience, that walk in the labyrinth, with a phrase in my head. And it's something to do with the encompassing nature of that journey and that experience. It was just three words. The words that encapsulated that for me were, it's all held. It's all held. And that stayed with me to this day. But that's only half the story. I need you to come forwards with me about seven years from then to 2010 when I got a phone call from back home in Ireland to say that I needed to get back home immediately. My first thought was for my father because uh, dad was scheduled for major surgery and I wondered if something had gone wrong. But what had happened that day was that he had been taken in for his surgery and just three hours after he left the home, my mum took on well, presumably with the stress of it all, and had a stomach aneurysm at home. Now, half the people who have that don't make it to hospital, and half the people who do don't make it through the operation. It was a really serious situation. So I got a call to say that they were both in hospital. Mum was in floor three, dad was in floor seven, and I had to get back home as soon as I could. So I flew back to Belfast, I got a taxi to the Royal Victoria Hospital with all of this stuff just going through my heart and mind. Both parents in hospital, both seriously ill. And I came out of the lift, floor three of the Royal Victoria Hospital. And what was in the floor there in front of me? This newly designed hospital had icons for each floor just to help people recognise and remember which particular floor that they were on. And I stepped out of the lift in floor three and there on the floor in front of me was a labyrinth. Now you could just say that's coincidence. I didn't take it as such. I took that as a reminder from God that it's all held. It's all held. All that you are going through the good and the bad alike is held. And that wasn't an assurance that my folks would get through this. They might not have. Faith is not a talisman that protects us from the, the, the difficulties in life. I've seen some posts on Facebook over the last couple of weeks that have made that kind of suggestion. And they make me angry. Because I see no evidence of that in the Bible. And I certainly don't see it in the lives of the people that I work with. Faith doesn't protect us from harm. This sense that I got wasn't an assurance that nothing bad would happen. It was an assurance that whatever happened, God was bigger than the situation and it was all held. Deuteronomy 33, 27 has these lovely words. Underneath are the everlasting arms. And I believe that's true for this life and for the next. I believe it's all held. Life and death, sickness and health, the now and the hereafter are all held within God's hands. 
And knowing that helps to give us a divine perspective on the challenges that life throws at us. Because it will throw things at us that we have to, to feel. But that's why Julian of Norwich had such confidence in such desperate times. She trusted in the character of God as she had experienced it in Christ. And in the wideness of his compassionate love. As the Apostle Paul says, there is nothing in death or life in the realm of spirits or spiritual powers in the world as it is or the world as it shall be in the forces of the universe in heights or depths. Nothing in all creation that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our task in these difficult days is to do what the writer of the proverb says in chapter 4 and what I experienced in my labyrinth walk all those years ago. Keep your eyes on the path. Don't get distracted. Keep taking the next small step in faith and trust that you are held within the scope of God's redeeming love. going to end this morning with another sound clip from Mayo and Kermode's film review. Just a few weeks ago they had Tom Hanks on to speak about his latest film A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood and Simon asked him if he had a reassuring word to bring people at this time and this is the conversation that they had. See, You're a timely guest on our programme Tom, always, but Ed Mark, who's our reviewer, who did the interview with you for, uh, for Toy Story, he always says everything is going to be all right in the end. And if it isn't all right, then it's not the end. OK. Ah, so that's what that's beautiful. Uh, listeners to this program know and associate you with being the voice of reassurance okay. and optimism. Mm -hmm. So and this is specifically to Mark and to people who, who are not sure whether it's going to be all right in the end. What would you say? Either as either Mr. Rogers or All right. Mr. Hanks. There you go. Are you still cheery? You ready for this? Mm -hmm. Four words. This too shall pass. You having a rotten day? You having a hopeless day? This too shall pass. You having a great day? You feel on top of the world? This too shall pass. <laughs> it's, it evens out. Life is a big bell curve. No matter how dark, no matter how wonderful, this too shall pass. Do you find that difficult to believe sometimes? No, no. I, I, I live and breathe it. I think that we've either sowed, sowed the wind and will reap the whirlwind, or we have sowed our fertile field and shall reap a harvest of gold. Preach, Tom. <laughs> this too shall pass. It's all held. Trust in God and in the fullness of God's time. All will be well. Amen. We're going to pray together again now. And in this prayer, we use a short response. When I say, Lord, hear us, I'd invite you to respond, Lord, graciously hear us. Let's pray together. Father, creator and sustainer of all things. We pray this morning for the health and the well-being of our nation, asking that all who are fearful and anxious might be at peace 
and free from worry. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. We pray for the isolated and the housebound that we might be alert to their needs and care for them in their vulnerability. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. We pray for those placing themselves at risk for the sake of others. Healthcare professionals, folk working in retail, cleaners, carers in the emergency services. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. We pray for our homes and families, our schools and our young people, and all who are in any kind of need or distress. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. We remember in a moment of silence those who are especially on our hearts this morning. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. And we pray for a blessing on our local community, that our neighbourhoods may be places of trust and friendship where all are known and cared for. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. We commend ourselves and all for whom we pray to your care and protection. So merciful Father, hear our prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our closing hymn is Through the Love of God our Saviour, All Will Be Well.
And now go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen.